Welcome to I Think This Is Great with Clay Inferno. Today my guest is Raheem Jarbo aka Mega Ran. We are talking about his debut book, entitled Dream Master. Dream Master is available at dreammasterbook.com. Let's get into it, shall we? I'm here with my friend, my good friend Raheem Megaran Jarbo, who has a brand new book out that I have to say I'm about almost halfway through. Okay. Okay. But um, wow, this is great that you have a book. When did you start writing it? Man, I started probably six years ago. I remember being on tour and we were just talking about stories. I was with Kay Murdoch and I think I was just like, man, I really need to write this down, you know? And he's like, yeah, you sure do. Like, and so I just started jotting things down. It was like important moments. And originally the book was just gonna be short stories. Like here's a time where I did this and it was crazy. Here's a time I did this and it worked out. Here's a failure. Here's a success, you know? Yeah, like and, the, um, the road dog stories, like everything everybody wants to hear about going on tour. Right, right, right. But there's a ton of those books and they're all really, really good. So I wanted to just tell my story. So I started then filling in the the in-between time moments between those really big moments. And yeah, and then that's really what it was. I just was writing and writing and writing for five, six years. And I think that the pandemic really helped me to focus and finish it up where I was just like, man, I got nothing but time. Like, what's the excuse now? So I just really forced myself to hunker down and write. So it was, you know, it went from a paragraph a day to like a chapter a week. And I was like, I can get this done. Gave it to like two or three different, you know, editors to check out. Mm -hmm. And they were like, it's ready. But every time I looked at it, I wanted to write Mm -hmm. more. So I had to just stop. Book two. Yeah. They kept telling me like, save it for book number two. And I'm like, okay, good idea. So I got a lot more stories, but they're coming in book two. Yeah, it's funny because I just read President Obama's book, and that's like the the first term of his presidency, mm-hmm. but his whole life leading up to that. And then the next volume of the book, the thing was like really long because I listened to Audible. <laughs> oh, it's um, like 29 hours on Audible. Yeah, it was it was it, it was it was crazy, but. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. But but yeah, I mean, I think autobiographical, like, you know, the future's unwritten. You've got plenty more to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've had people ask me, like, you know, I hope you didn't write your memoir too soon. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you knew that Barack Obama's first book was written in like 95 before he had <laughs> done it? anything. Oh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, before he'd done anything. I mean, it didn't come out till a few years later, but it was about his father, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can write a memoir about certain sections of your life. And this ends at a, a really important moment for me, which is a recipient of a the Guinness World Record in mm-hmm. London, which was early 2018 is where the book stops. So there's a ton that wow. doesn't happen or isn't written leading up to that. And there's also the, you know, plenty after that. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's, there's plenty more, you know, like, I don't think that I'm tapped out of stories at this point, you know, and perspectives to, to kind of aim for. Well, what's great about your book is you're, you're my friend. Like we, we got introduced through, through the primates, through 
through James and Linear Primate. Yes. They were like, my friend Raheem is like really wants to come and play some music in town, etc. And then after doing a bunch of shows with you, we like became to know each other. And I kind of know like I kind of know the framework for the the book. Like I, I know about like you growing up in Philly and all that. And then, because you you're very honest with your fans and tell a lot of stories between your songs. Oh yeah, so all you these be... stories have been told at least in pieces, yeah. like where a lot of people already know me. I was just someone was asking that too. Like, where are you afraid of how much you've let people in to your story? And I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, I've been a pretty open book, but I I do think about like when shows go back again and how many like mm-hmm. awkward conversations I'm probably gonna have to have at at merch. <laughs> Where they're like, so how's your mom? Or oh man, that story about the babysitter. Oh man, you know, I'd be like, whoa, like you know, you know that. Oh snap, you know, like yeah, yeah, yep. these folks know everything. And I don't mind. Even before that, it was like, how's your house, Doris? Or you know, like people knowing my mom's name and uh-huh. things just from my own stories and what right. I've told. So I don't mind. You know, I think that it's it's helped me a lot with as far as how I connect to people. You know, like mm-hmm. having having similar stories is what. I think what this whole mega ran is built on. It's like me thinking I was the only weird kid who loved Nintendo and hip hop, right. you know, and right. folks telling me all over the world, like you're not, you know? So I don't mind, you know, these, these stories being spread and then connecting me to more people. And it, it's great because like you're t- talking about all the, all the basketball courts like in your hood that you used to go to and like you had to keep like kind of switching them around you had to go to <laughs> various different ones but like that was like that that was also me like following the, the cool skate kids I, I never skated but like I went to there I went to skate with them and like hung out there and listened to boom boxes and we listened to punk rock and like that's how I started to develop the personality and then yeah and then like that's so cool even and and then like even like it's 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 so crazy like that like the wu-tang clan was like so long ago to me because it seems like so fresh you know like and i listen to 36 chambers like all the time now but like i remember the first time i heard it and like i was in high school and i was like damn this shit is amazing yeah like what this is like nothing i've ever heard before in my life you know yeah that was high school for me too and like like one kid came around the block with like a a dubbed recording of the album or maybe a couple songs and they would pass it around and we would dub the dub and you know just keep it going yeah and it was so crazy like i was just talking about it with a friend in a a clubhouse chat room we were talking about how like the stuff was so off kilter, you know, the drums are not perfect. It wasn't shiny. Mm-hmm. It wasn't well polished and produced mm-hmm. and perfectly on sequence and on beat. And that's what was so great about it was like the fearlessness to be able to release music that was so dirty, you know, it felt yeah. so grimy. Like it almost felt like we weren't supposed to have this. Yeah. You know, which made, <laughs> I think that was part of the cool, cool factor of it. And that obviously like that shows like in your work and you've been mentioned like like Riza and 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 you you like you were like looking at what what he was doing and you've like always produced your own stuff I assume you produce a lot of your own stuff now if not all of it half at this point I, I yeah yeah a, I know so many talented producers that I, I love to collaborate and you know meeting Kay Murdoch and and working with DN3 and others 
I, I love to bring them in and be involved, but like, I feel like as a producer, like we're all hands-on with what we're creating, but yeah, like I like to concentrate on the, the looks, the aesthetic, the video, the, the lyrics, yeah. you know, so it's so yeah. many things. So when it comes down to the beats, I'm like, all right, I'm able to trust a few guys where I'll give you a starting point and then they'll just build it into something great. Yeah. But, but you, I mean, you did it all like DIY when you first were, were writing rhymes and, uh, you know, Radio oh, yeah. Raheem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, we didn't have any other way. And it makes me think now, like how. On the tape too, right? I mean, yeah, that's what we, that's how we did. Tape. It's so sad to think like that if you weren't, you know, in the nineties or maybe the eighties, if you were talented, but you didn't know anyone in the music business, you had no chance to make it. You know, mm -hmm. now with the internet, I can put it on SoundCloud. I can put it on Spotify myself, but like. You could buy then, a beat. You can yeah. buy a beat and rap just over go it. Buy a beat, get a beat, and make... get it done, and finish it from my house and put it into the world. <laughs> like in the 80s and 90s, you couldn't do that. So if you were good at making music and you didn't have the right connections, you just didn't succeed. And it's a shame to think, like, I, when I think back of like how many great musicians there probably were who just didn't have that connection or didn't live in New York or LA, mm -hmm. you know, weren't able to make that that contact that that blew them up, you know, like it's crazy to think that. But yeah, I, I think I was really lucky to come up at the time of the internet and, you know, to be able to put this music online and for it to reach people, you know, not just not just fans, but then the people who, you know, made these games like Capcom, you know, so it was it was just really lucky that it happened at a, a really fortunate time. Well, I think even like when James introduced me to you, he said like he's he's sponsored by Capcom. And I was yeah. like, wait, what are you talking about? Like this doesn't make any sense. Like, that's like, a thing. And I was like, I was like also like, isn't Capcom like NES? You know, like <laughs> that was like a while, like a long time ago. Like right, like this is a weird thing, but Capcom has has survived the test of time, man. They have been making uh games since the 80s and you know from Mega Man to you know Street Fighter Resident Evil there's a new Resident Evil coming out right now you know so I still play Street Fighter you know so uh these guys have been around forever and they've been such a instrumental part of the video game like generations rising and for them to hear my music and want to like look out for some no-name <laughs> kid is is nuts you know like it doesn't even make sense like even when the guy said to me you know, we'd like to license you. And I'm like, is that a thing? Like, I, I've never <laughs> heard of it. And they were like, well, it wasn't really a thing. You know, I feel like- Let's make it a thing. They wanted to make it a thing, you know, between myself and the proto men who you've worked with a ton to, you know, then acts like Drake and Lil Wayne wind up working with, with Capcom directly. So, so it's pretty insane to think. Yeah, and I remember- similar to you like i couldn't i love playing nintendo but pretty much like i i have an arrested development with with video games i i kind of stopped mm. around then and like i went if we get when we get a ps5 i'm going to be buying tetris for it you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. I, I like i just always play like epic games and stacy's like way way into games and and, and fallout and uh, animal crossing and all that but uh, but yeah, like I remember, like I couldn't afford the $75 Mega Man game or two or three, but I love playing it. So 
we would always rent our games. We'd rent, yeah, we'd rent too, man. Blockbuster nights on Friday was, that's how I played any of these games because they were 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks, you know? No way, and, like, you know, yeah, no way your parents, like, So you know. three, four bucks, you know, to rent was the move. And so I played pretty much everything that Nintendo had to offer. And then what I would do is I'd have my TV hooked up to my VCR. So I'd record my footage. So that was my way of reliving that that moment, that weekend rental, is that I could play it back. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like you made a you make made Twitch before Twitch. I guess I was kind of <laughs> streaming Twitch before that before it was a thing. Like, yeah, I was recording my footage, and then I could just have a tape of my Ducktales run, you know, and then I'd play it back, and then there it was. Yeah. I was definitely friends with a kid that had like rich parents and bought him every game and he would come over to my house like once or twice and like I sort of thought it seemed a little bit like your family like my parents weren't psyched to have people over or, or mm. stuff like that. I mean I don't know if it's like that with with friends of, friends of yours but my parents were always like very like private and like and then but also very much like like the story in your book about prom night it's like very much like like you're home on time. I know there's other kids out there doing bad stuff, but you're not going to drink. This is prom night. You're not going to become a statistic. That was my mom's like favorite thing. <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, just like you're back before you're back before you know curfew and stuff. And and yeah, I could I could I really identify with that story too because it's not like you know I I maybe kind of did want to go see what the other kids were getting getting into like getting wild on on prom night but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i would never i mean it, you also talk about like I, i'm not saying like i don't think that either of us we're, we're like about the same age mm-hmm. so like i don't think either of us were like bad kids really but i was always like on punishment you know <laughs> always like you know two weeks yeah. of not being able to use the phone or something. I couldn't even tell you the dumb shit I did. It was probably Yeah, it wasn't nothing, even you know? like that was me. Like I wasn't a bad kid, but I was de- I would definitely get into trouble. Like I wasn't starting trouble. I wasn't, you know, making huge, you know, incidents happen, but I was kind of mischievous. I would get bored and sneak into something and then next thing you know, I'm on punishment. And my friends didn't even know why. They'd be like, man, bro, you're always on punishment. Like, what did you do? And I'm like, <laughs> so it wasn't even really worth it. Like, it wasn't like all of us snuck to the mall or, you know, anything really cool. It was just me not doing what I had to do around the house. <laughs> so what did, what was the number one thing you feel like you learned about yourself? I mean, these are like all like your stories, but like, did you kind of like uncover like certain feelings or think that things like maybe like that you just remembered when you're making the book, but you hadn't thought about in years? Like, was it like that? Totally. There's a ton of them, not to give them away, but most of the traumatic experiences, of course I remembered them, but I didn't remember how they affected me afterwards. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk about weird stuff at the babysitter and, and how that maybe turned me into this like, you know, just kind of a rude, bad kid. And I didn't notice the connection <laughs> until right. I really thought about it. I was like, oh, maybe this is why I was acting out because I had this thing that I couldn't talk about mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to explain, you know? So there's a lot of that. 
that happened. Uh, there's a, a fallout with one of my producers that I talk about in there and how it affected my, my output, you know, for a little while after that, where I wasn't necessarily as adventurous as I was because I didn't have that, you know, that, that, that safety blanket there, mm -hmm. that person who trusted me and I trusted them, you know, so I, I played it very safe, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I, I didn't understand the connections in either of these until I was writing it out and correcting the timelines and uh -huh. I was like oh snap like this totally connects and uh, so yeah it was it was really an educational experience for myself because I, I was like I never even knew you know and uh, so yeah it, it helped me to learn a lot about my own self and what I was going through and, and you probably never worked like with an editor before I mean you know you, working with a producer is like a little similar with your art because they might be like change this line mm -hmm. like you know not your, oh, your cadence is off or like this this doesn't mm -hmm. exactly fit in this part of the song like or we we need to bridge here's how you're gonna do it and they yeah. they kind of like that's what producers and engineers are there for is to provide insightful ideas and you're collaborating with them like you said like you're you're in a creative process together but how i i come from book publishing like from a long time ago so like i know there's like you have multiple drafts, but also the editor might be there to help you tell your story, like overall, like as an arc. So oh, yeah. did you have, yeah. Did you have them work with you on that stuff? For sure. I had a couple different editors and, and one, Olivia, she was always asking the questions, you know, like, all right, so what happened here? Or mm -hmm. why did, why don't do you think you should explain that? And I'm like, duh, yes, I should, you know, and. Mm -hmm it was important to get someone to ask those questions. Like, so what happened here? Or I don't remember you connecting this. Where's the connection? And I'm like, ah, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it was extremely important, but yeah, like I hadn't really had that type of situation before, you know what? Well, producers have definitely helped me, you know, along to try to bring the best product out. But when I were in a writing sense, I'm an English major. So like, I've always come from that school of your first draft is probably garbage. So you gotta oh, yeah. keep working you know, and keep writing, keep fixing. And so, yeah, there was just so many drafts and so many times where another editor, my friend Courtney was telling me just, she's like, okay, we do these free writing exercises where she'd be like, all right, now you're talking about high school. Give me five minutes of uninterrupted, just writing. And then now read it back mm -hmm. to me and what's missing from your book that's in this you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, and that helped a lot. Wow. That's a good, yeah. It was really, good really good. Like she'd be like, <laughs> all right, give me five minutes, just go. And I would just start writing. And then I'm like, Hmm, what, what's different here that isn't in this book and why, you know? And so that helped me to connect a lot. That's, that's so cool, man. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's really well, well written book. I mean, I, I was in the middle of another book and then we were, we were kind of jamming this this podcast since we can get it out but i kind of like to even when i'm interviewing like comic book creators i might not read to the very end so like i, I and then yeah i don't i don't want to have any awkward conversations with you at merch so we won't talk about the book again today, <laughs> i promise no I no promise. no i don't mind actually I, actually when you get to the end i want to talk to you about what you think you know and things like that oh yeah for sure you know most importantly like does it does it satisfy you? Does it, does it make you want more? Does it answer every question? Does it lead to more questions? <laughs> you know, that's important to me too. Like I want to talk to people about 
their feelings and what, what they felt reading it because I read a lot of books and, you know, I'm always curious how it compares, you know, like I just finished the Obama book too. Obama's my benchmark, you know, like <laughs> not, not to say that we're, we're in a competition in my head. You know, I built my, my book website based on his, you know, I, I was like, all right, if this is what people want from Obama, I need to be trying to reach that. You know, <laughs> so, so it, yeah, we got a small competition in my head. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, why not? He's the best. So yeah, I think you should always aim for the best, you know? So, I mean, that's some great memoirs so great. as well. I just got the flea memoir for Christmas and it's great. You he know. showed up in that movie I saw for the first time yesterday, uh, Baby Driver. Yeah, yeah, he's totally in Baby Driver. <laughs> uh, great movie, that was fun. <clears throat> yeah, it was but fun. yeah, like so, I'm reading that right now. So I'm I'm big into memoirs. So I'm always curious how mine compares. So, so yeah, well, I'm along for the ride. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it down. Honestly, I, <laughs> I, it's 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 great. You have like your. I know I'm gonna because now it'll start to get where like we start to get to know each other. And then there was an interesting thing that happened when I want to say like almost like the mainstream hip hop community really embraced you with, with the random record. And that was just like, I was just so happy for you, man. Like when there was like a bunch of cool features on your record and like, you know, like you're getting bigger press and like these big milestones. And like you said, you know, you'll, you'll get to the, you'll get to your Guinness book of world records accomplishments so, oh, and, sure. and 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 all the, and all the awesome wrestling stuff which i don't know a ton about but but man you've just had like some really good benchmarks it keeps kind of <laughs> growing and going a little bit better man it's really cool thank you man thank you yeah the the random record i think is I, if i was if i'd have picked another point like it would have been that point to probably end on because it was to me such a high note and and again it's what these, this thing that we're looking for, like you said, the mainstream kind of acceptance of, of, of nerd rap and this thing being so niche and like being able to work with, tour with, travel with, collaborate with some of my favorite artists coming up, you know, has, has been my ultimate goal. But for the longest, I've always thought like, oh man, they're going to hear the word nerdcore and run far away, you know. <laughs> um, but ultimately, you know, it's about building that level of respect. And I think that comes with time put in. You know, like with yeah. the work you put out, with the time you put in, the accomplishments you, you achieve, the growth, you know, people start to kind of respect it. And and it's been it's been a journey, you know, and a, a long one, you know, but but I'm really happy with the results. I wouldn't even go back and trade it for anything. Uh, can you tell me about the the MTV Music Maker app? Like, or <laughs> what what is that? Oh man, I've MTV never, Music Generator. It, a lot I've never of producers even heard about that thing. You never heard of it? No. It was a PlayStation game. I think it came out in 2000. It wasn't, they didn't, I remember it being kind of rare. Like they didn't have a lot of It was like available. MTV. It said something about MTV, right? Yeah, it's called MTV Music Generator by Codemasters. Okay. Codemasters is this really small third party company and they like MCV license or they got an MCV license to make a beat making software for PlayStation and it's for PC. You could probably still find it, but it's not very easy to find like on eBay or something. But a lot of producers I know started on it. I think Flying Lotus started on it. Whoa. Yeah. That's a huge artist. 
yeah, like a lot of really great producers started from this, this software. And what was so dope about it is that they had a sampling feature where I could just eject and pop out the game and then pop in, you know, a Deftone CD and then, then try to find a part I went to sample, click and then pop it back out, put in the game and then work with that sample. And like, that was so ahead of his time. And once I figured that out- And so much, you know what? So much work. As soon as you said, had to take the disc out and yeah. put it back in, that's that's seven, two steps too much it's that I would go A lot of work. Anything. It's definitely a lot of work. But back <laughs> then, I mean, that's what you had to do. No, know, I know. You couldn't think of any other way to sample. So man, I was in business. I was at the library every week, just t- stacks of CDs coming out, you know, and just sampling everything I could to, to make new beats. And that was the only way I learned how to use it because the, the stock sounds that are in a lot of these programs, it was probably built for like EDM techno. Mm-hmm. Well, not, I guess it wasn't called EDM at that point, but you know, techno house music, it was, it had yeah. that part down. But yeah. when it came to like making a hip hop track and having the real like swing to it that a hip hop track would have, you couldn't really do a lot of that in it. So you could sample like, all right, he found a really good bass line or a good drum kick or snare sample that bring it into this and no one would know how you did it Mm -hmm. you know so it was it was great it was really formative to my my production years you know i was random beats at that point i was literally just sitting at home making beats all day on my playstation and you just couldn't save because the memory cards were so tiny that if you sampled anything you just couldn't save the track so i had to buy a Philips cd burner Mm -hmm. that i talk about in there and that was at real time. So if my track was four oh, yeah. minutes, I had to sit and wait four minutes for it to burn. And but that was how I put my my tracks onto CD was through that long process. And uh, but yeah, like just I think that was that was that's that's the story of hip hop. You know, I think in any mm-hmm. of these hip hop documentaries you see, it's someone picking up something that wasn't really meant for that thing and twisting it, tweaking it freaking it a little bit yeah and and, and turn it into something different and uh, i was obsessed yeah. with that hulu wu-tang series they oh, had yeah i loved it that was like that was the best and uh, and yeah like the memory for anything like an npc or whatever back then was like so little but you could oh, really yeah, like do a lot with this with it seven seconds of sample time but most. that was like that was to tape too so you like do all that stuff mm-hmm. and then put it on tape. Yeah. But also I remember like, you know, similar to like these, these things. We, when I got to college, cause I went to art school, I went to Mass College of Art. That's when I saw people doing interesting stuff with sound, sound design, mm-hmm. sound installations and cool art stuff. But it was all about the Tashcam four track. Oh, yes. And it was, it was all about recording your band and getting track. eight tracks out of it on a on a you know the tiny little cassette tape that you would you know like or you, and you can flip it around and you can play the music backwards and and do all sorts of stuff and so i never cool. got like so into it but i definitely recorded like a lot of spoken word you know poetry okay. and like tried to try to sample like weird records that i got from the library of like mm-hmm you know, kind of like early BC Boy stuff where they would just have like like an old 50s narrator saying like, isn't it interesting about cheese or whatever? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then I would like I would like record it like on my regular record 
player into the task cam and like try to do something with it. I was terrible at, at like doing anything like rhythmic with it, but but it was just so fun to experiment back then. And and you were, and that was what you need. And then hopefully, I think kids nowadays like I hope they get that same sort of feeling of excitement when they are able to like open up Final Cut or like or like Audacity for free or or like something like that. Like I hope kids like appreciate. <laughs> Or they just get as excited as we did, like just playing around with stuff because you can do so many things now. Oh yeah, for sure. I man, I had so much fun with uh, with the task cam. We used to, but we took that stuff so seriously. We were like, we would come mm. together and try to make like our little demo tapes on it, and I'd make a little beat on PlayStation and bring it on over on the cassette, and you know, we take do our takes over and over again to get it perfect, and it was so cool. Yeah, man, that was a fun time. And, and you were sort of like, I, I couldn't exactly tell, but like you were like rapping with a crew. So did you kind of have like, would you guys like work on songs together and like trade verses and stuff like oh, that? Oh yeah, for sure. We were Wu-Tang. We were just, like, you know, an mm-hmm. amateur Wu-Tang. And uh, we're just sitting at home, just, we would all sit together, play the beat on repeat and just write our little verses. And then I was the guy who knew how to work the stuff. So they would they would come into my bedroom and record and we'd hit the button and click, 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 click you know and do the takes and then i'd call the next person in because the room was so small like, all right you're next up come on you know they'd come in <laughs> record their verse you know and then i'd play it back on the big stereo and man it was it was a great feeling like we felt so accomplished but we were making stuff it was so funny is that we never really even shared these these things with anybody you know mm. it was just for ourselves like maybe a couple people on the block you know but we just were so excited about it you know and staying up till two three in the morning just creating you know, not to try to get a record deal, but just because we just loved it, you know, it was mm-hmm. so fun. That is so fun. And, uh, and recently you've been having fun too, because we can't have live concerts. Like now would be, now it's about the time of year I get a call or an email from you about packs coming up and uh, how we're going to find some show to play for the video game heads out there like mm-hmm. what are you grateful for now that we're in quarantine you know like what do you tell tell people what you're doing with, like with your twitch streams and and what 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 things that you have going on well first I, I'm, I'm thankful to have more time to spend at home you know family time you know i was out probably every other every two three days out doing a gig every weekend i was gone you know, so this is the most time that me and my wife have spent together, like since we've known each other. Beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. so that's a great thing. Being at home, learning Twitch, I've it's been a resolution every year to learn and give more time to Twitch. I did it this year, then then mm-hmm. became partnered, you know. So I think just dedicating that time to something that I had already wanted to do, all mm-hmm. I needed was the time, like finishing the book. That wouldn't have happened, you know. So Granted, I wish I was touring. We put out what I consider my best work, the Two Hands Up album with Young RJ last May, like right before the world literally woke up. I know. I think we were, I think we had a show planned. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And so I was so excited and stoked to be able to get out and talk about some of these, these real things. And, but, you know, it worked out. The whole world started talking about these things, you know, Mm -hmm. so which is it's literally what our album's about so the the goal you know still was accomplished so i'm okay with that 
yeah, so I've been just grinding on Twitch, playing, I get to play video games now, and it's almost like a job, so that's cool, you know, um, yeah. we do concerts once a month, me, Lars, Ryan Lott, Schaefer, we still do them at home, and those have been working out really well, so I'm thankful for the opportunity that it's given me to expand my, my palette, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. if this is the full pivot, because I really do love performing live, and I love shows, and I love traveling. I don't know how much I really love, well, I really love comfort, you know, Mm. and my home's comfortable. So for that, I would say, I don't know how this is going to affect my touring for the future, because Mm -hmm. as much as I used to love touring, I can literally sit on Twitch and and do that, you know, still Mm -hmm. reach the people, still perform, still, you know, maybe not, it's still nothing, nothing like live music. You know, yeah. So I'm going to always want to perform live until I'm in a wheelchair and maybe even after that, you know, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. But, but at the same time, I'm going to, it's making me now think about, you know, the second or third act of Mega Ran, which I've never thought about before, you know, yeah. and being able to have a situation where I can sit at home, I can play games on Twitch. I can DJ on Twitch where I'm practicing. So I'm building my skills. But yeah, man. a live audience where people can donate, they can share, they can, you know, help me to keep this thing afloat. I can promote every day that I'm on Twitch. Someone comes into my chat and says, I didn't know you were on Twitch. And that makes me feel really mm-hmm. great. You know, like these are people who, or they say, I never thought I'd see you live because I live in freaking Antarctica. Right. You know, yeah. and I'm like. Just those like little markets that are like just outside like mm-hmm. even here, like maybe somebody might not get to see you because you don't play Worcester, you play Boston. It might just be a little too far they, yeah. or their, their parents won't let them take the train or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is great to share your work with the, with the world there. And it, you have DJ sets, you have, you have video game streams and video premieres, all sorts of cool stuff yeah. on there. Awesome. There's so many things I'm able to do, but you know, and I, I think that this will rejuvenate my live touring experience too, because now I'll be so excited to get right back out that the show is just going to be ramped up to a thousand, you know? So yeah, everybody's going to have video. Yeah. Like everyone's <laughs> going to be out there with video. So, so yeah. Which is why me... I bought a video projector for you guys when you come back. Nice. <laughs> I, I just better like that have one. video. Every concert you have better have video. Like at, at this point, Live shows should become greater than ever, you know? And oh, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like the we've had all this time to perfect and, and work on, you know, the technical aspects of creating a show. And so I think live shows should never be, at, at this point, you know, just a guy and a mic just, you know, looking down and being bored. And, yep. you know, like shows should be shows. And, and people should more, people should go because... We kind of had a problem of in the past couple years, like, and this was across all of my concerts. So it was never in in particular and bigger concerts that I was involved in promoting. It wasn't anybody's lack of enthusiasm or, but just fans weren't going out as much these past couple of years. And it wasn't anybody, it wasn't like you could be like, oh, you know, no one likes that band anymore. It just, you'd be like, wow, it's scaled back like slowly over the past yeah. couple of years. Like, this is weird. What What's going on? Now I hope people, I mean, capacity might be smaller for a little while, 
But then I think when things are really back to normal, I think people will be like, oh my God, remember that year we spent at home? Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's I mean, get out. My wife say all the time, like, dude, like all you think about all the times where you just, you just decided not to go to that concert just for no reason. You're just like, eh, it's Wednesday and I don't feel like it. You yeah. know, now you're like, oh no, we're going, you know, like I'm not going to pass up this opportunity, you know, like there's so many shows I think about that I passed up on because I just didn't feel like leaving the house, you know, no other real reason. So yeah. now I'm like, oh yeah. no, I'll be there. I'll be at every show now. <laughs> All right. Before I let you go, because you've been so generous with your time and it's just awesome to catch up with you, man. It's so cool. I have to give you uh, crazy props for your MF Doom one beer video so did you also like like me use quarantine i'm sure you had some skill before that but did you figure out how to how you were going to make like a game boy video oh yeah i i've set another goal for myself this year where i don't know how i'm going to do it but i'm going to put out a new freestyle every friday and wow on a random beat or whatever i'm thinking during the week and so you kind of, if you tune in, if you're watching either my Twitch or you're hanging out, you'll either see how these are made or you'll see the inspiration. So the week before that was this game called Power Blade, and which all happened because I was at a, you know, a, a retro store and saw the game for ninety dollars mm-hmm. and was like, mm-hmm. why is this game worth ninety dollars? I played a little bit and I'm like, oh, the music kind of slaps. Mm-hmm. So then we sample the music and make a freestyle. So this week, MF Doom, one of my favorites. You know, I was like, I got to do something for Doom. And then I found this app called Retrospects, which I used in nice. a church video. And, and I was like, I'm going to make the video look like a Game Boy. You know, I don't know. I just hadn't seen anybody. It do was it. cool, man. It was really cool. And yeah. the, I mean, and like, like the song was great. And that's one yeah. of the best songs ever. Anyway, I love the song. I love the beat. <laughs> and so, you know, I'd, I'd put off doing a Doom tribute because a lot of people had done it, you know. Mm-hmm. Even even while he was, you know, alive, people would rap on his beats. And I never knew how he personally or anyone would think of, feel about that, you know, just some random stranger rapping on your beats. So so I knew if I did it, I'd do it a little different. So we got DN3 to go back and resample that beat, change it up a lot, flip it, and then I'd rap on it, you know, as a tribute, you know. And so I love it. I love the lines, I love the bars. I don't know how I'm gonna keep this up every week, but but I'm going to try my best. And it'll be like, it'll be sort of a time capsule of 2021, you know, like. I know some of the other guys do that too, like Lars and, and, and Schaefer mm. for their Patreons and stuff. They'll have like a freestyle. I don't know how frequently they do it or they drop a new song every yeah. month or that's going to be challenging know, for you guys. It's going to be a challenge. I've seen some of my friends on YouTube drop songs there. They have a time, they have a date. And that's, and that's really what, what it was for me. It's like YouTube is one place I feel like I haven't given a lot of love to. I'm all mm-hmm. over and now I'm on Twitch, you know? So YouTube's been there the longest and yet I've probably done the least with it. So I want to make sure these songs exclusively hit YouTube on Friday at, you know, three. Oh, five. cool. That's, that's great. So you mm-hmm. are, that's platform exclusive. I, I, I kind of just consume it also. I don't really... Right, right. You know, so didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's that, only going to be, be on cool. YouTube. I'll, you know, I'll put a I'll put a clip on Instagram, but the whole thing will only be on YouTube. And then there's that, and uh, so we'll we'll throw all the links in there. Obviously, Thank do you. you do you do Patreon as well? 
Yeah, Patreon. Yeah. Slash Mega Ran for two new songs a month. Two so new songs a month. These freestyles. I do two songs. Might oh, be a so cover, new. Might be a remix. Might be something. It's always something you never heard. Right now, this month, the focus is Black Materia remake, which is coming out soon. So Patreon subscribers get that first before anybody. And do people back to Twitch for a second? Can you see what you've done on Twitch before? Do you or do you have to subscribe to see like an archive of that? If that artist or that person decides to keep their they call them VODs, video on demands. So okay, if you if that person decides to keep them up, then you can see them. If they don't, then you can't. You have to be there that time. But I keep most of mine up except when it's a DJ set because some of the music. Can get me. Yeah, it gets muted. Yeah, there's that whole thing. It'll be muted. So I try (laughs) not to keep DJ sets, but if I'm playing a game and just chatting, you can find that stuff. Oh, that's is that what you did? Why you did that for one beer? So that you it wouldn't it would mess up the uh, algorithm. I'm fighting the the algorithm. Yeah. Oh, constantly. That's smart. So we got to fight against the robots. So I had to find a way. And so for that, when I I tested it out, I rapped on the original instrumental. And put it on YouTube unreleased and un unlike you know unlisted, mm-hmm. and then it was like you have a copyright violation, and, <laughs> uh, and like you can't you can't play this; it'll be muted. And I'm like, oh no! So I decided to go back and change the beat up, change the recording up, and make it an original thing. Well, that's so cool, man! Thank you for like the insight into how everything gets made, like from mm-hmm. from back in the day till now. I I mean, I'm just so fascinated with that process stuff, but. More importantly, it just it's it's great to see you, man. I love seeing your streams, and I'll, I'll continue to check in there on I Twitch. I appreciate and, you popping in, man. It's always yeah. Always I'm a noob. I don't watch any in. video games on there. Basically, it's you, and I have a couple of DJ friends that I that I like yeah. to support when I, I I I go on there. But but yeah, Twitch is fun, man. So cool. I appreciate so cool. it too. Thank you. I I enjoy doing music stuff, but it's at the same time I can't do a music stream every day. So I like that the video games are kind of a way to kind of break up that monotony. Like, all right, I love DJing. I can't DJ every day. Like, story of my life is I do too much. Everybody's always like, you gotta focus on one thing, and you know. But I like games. I like music. I like comics. I like. Everything. And you've always been like that, just like yeah. I have always been into and punk rock, just as much as like, Wu-Tang Clan. You can't be, you know, you can't be ten. Nah, things. that's and bullshit. Like, <laughs> you? you know, like exactly. Oh, yeah. and bo- bonus question for you: How did was that for real? That in Times Square, your book. Yes, yes. There's an ad running like that's, uh, a, that's incredible. That is that's pretty so cool. There's an ad running in Times freaking Square for my book. It's insane. <laughs> so everybody get the book. Is the book have its own website? Go get it. Dreammasterbook.com. Excellent. Yes, go get it. There's links to every place. Amazon is the fastest, but it gives me the lowest. I came cut. real quick. So real quick. But yeah, you you'll it. get it in less days. than a week. And uh, you can get started. And then uh, maybe I think. In March, we're going to do an audiobook with some bonus like flavor inside of there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for spending some Sunday with me, man. I really appreciate it. No and I want everybody to go out and support Megaran and support the other guys on the uh, Nerdcore tour. That's Frontlot and, and, and MC Lars and, and, and Schaefer and, and Alex, every, all, all our friends. Yes. And then we'll, we'll come back and you know we're going to have a big old party when we'll you're back, back in town, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to get back to Boston. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. All right. That's everybody.
Please like, subscribe, and leave your comments below. Thanks.